Welcome to Sing Swing Sing in Conversation. In this episode, I'll be chatting to four of the UK's finest female big band singers and asking them to offer tips to young and aspiring female vocalists. These recordings were made at different times, some backstage at concerts and some by other means, so you may hear the odd noise or computer blip. This shouldn't detract from the messages from these fabulous vocalists though, whose combined experience of over 100 years is sure to make this an interesting listen for anyone interested in big band singing. Louise Cookman is one of the country's most experienced big band singers. Specialising in the songs of the 20s, 30s and 40s, Louise has performed with the BBC Big Band, Pasadena Roof Orchestra, Glen Miller UK Orchestra and has broadcast on BBC Radio and Television. I caught up with Louise backstage and asked her what tips she would give to young aspiring female big band singers. Well, that's a really interesting question because there's so many things that you pick up over the years and it's quite difficult to home in on a few things. One of the things I'd say is to always um, listen to what's going on around you. I think one of the things that I think I notice that a lot of people don't do when they're starting out is they're not paying enough attention to the band around them. So they're sort of so busy thinking about what they're doing and, and their song and the way they're going to sing yeah. that they're not actually listening to what's going on. And I think in a band situation, certainly it's really important to make sure that you're always listening to what's going on. Catherine Sykes is one of the busiest female big band vocalists in the UK. She's performed with the Sid Lawrence Orchestra, Pasadena Roof Orchestra, Lynn Phillips Big Band, Fat Chops Big Band, and currently holds the female vocal chair in the Glen Miller UK Orchestra. A graduate of Leeds College of Music, Catherine has performed in all of the UK's major concert halls, including Symphony Hall in Birmingham and the Royal Albert Hall. I asked Catherine, how do you approach learning a new song? If someone asks me to learn a song or if there's one I'd like to do, I'll probably listen to it a few times first. I mean, it may be something that I know anyway, and that's why I want to learn it, because I know that I like it. Otherwise, it could be something that I've been asked to do. So if it's not a specific version that they want, then I'll try as much as possible to make it my own, which I would anyway, even if I was singing someone else's arrangement. But if they wanted some sort of copycat version, then that's different, I suppose. But if I'm singing it as me, as Catherine Sykes, then I wouldn't want to copy anyone else's version I'd want it to be mine. So I would be careful not to just listen to one version. I would listen to a few different versions of the song, a few different recordings. Also because the tune is not always reliable if you listen just to one version, because people might change things around themselves, play with, play with the melody. So once I'd done that and listened to a few, I'd try not to get stuck on one. I'd listen to a few and then I would find the music I've got a lot of the the standards, real books. So I'll look through those, find the the song written down. If it's a if it's a standard, if it's a something from the American Songbook that we're talking about. Luckily, I can play the piano a little bit. I'm not brilliant, but keyboard skills are very handy for learning songs. It means that I can play the tune um, at the piano, so I can hear how the tune's been written, and I can do a little bit with the chords slowly, so I can hear what it sounds like with the chords as well. 
so I can learn it that way from scratch and then it is totally me obviously because I'm not learning it from someone else I'll sit and plonk it out and make sure I learn it kind of parrot fashion so that I know it really really well repetition that's the best way for me of learning something so I need to give myself time the worst thing you can do is try to learn a song with a very small amount of time because I've, I've found that your brain needs time to absorb it properly so I would need I would like at least a week if not longer and do it in short short things and then one day and then another day and then another day and then another day and your brain gets to kind of work on it overnight I find and it and it becomes more solid over the time and then once you know it really well then I would practice it to make sure that if there were any difficult sections or bits that went a bit high I'd make sure that I'd practiced them so that I knew where I was going to place my voice in those areas where it may be tricky to make sure that I could sing it convincingly I might think of any ideas of how I was going to portray the song how I'd like to do it in my own way what the words mean to me how best to put them over to the audience in a truthful way that touches people because it's touched me from listening to it or learning it and how I'd like to, how I think I'd like to sing it and practice it in that way. And just make sure you know it backwards, really. There's nothing worse than turning up for something being not quite sure. Make sure you know your stuff, otherwise you end up having those horrible nightmares. Days before the gigs where you dream about going on stage not knowing a song at all. I've had quite a few dreams like that where I've decided to make it up <laughs> as I go along, which is not fun. Georgina Jackson has been performing with big bands for over 20 years. She's one of the finest lead trumpet players in the UK, but in recent years has stepped out from behind the music stand to grace both UK and international stages with swinging vocals. Georgina performs regularly with the Ronnie Scott's Jazz Orchestra, Echoes of Ellington Big Band, and has performed live on national radio with the BBC Big Band, and prior to lockdown was a rising star on the cruise ship entertainment landscape. With this in mind, I asked Georgina, how did you go about putting together your own show? I've always wanted to do my own show because you do spend a lot of time as a singer, being told what to sing. I mean, Matt, you'll know that as well. You're told what to sing. And sometimes it's things you want to sing. Sometimes it's it, things you don't really want to sing. And and sometimes you just have to make the best of you know, whatever material you're given. And that's your job as a singer, you know. Mm-hmm. But it is nice when you get the opportunity to, to choose your own material, isn't it? It's, it's nice to be able to do that. So um, doing your own show is um, really the ultimate chance to do that. But... I think choosing your own show shouldn't be absolutely just the tunes that you absolutely just love or else it could be a right mismatch of things that don't particularly go together. So I think you have to choose uh, tunes that mean a lot to you and there's a reason behind you choosing them. Um, And you have to, like you do with your shows, you have to plan a beginning, a middle and an end. You know, and it sounds ridiculous, but we all want a great opener and we all want, you know, and when we're planning shows um you plan stories to tell around them as well don't you i mean yeah. when i'm on the the cruises you know it's a 45 minute show and when you do your theaters you 
decide what you're going to sing because of the chat as well, don't you? You've got yeah. you've got stories you want to tell and that songs that fit into it might be chronological things that have happened uh, in your life and you you know you tell the story of things uh, your favorite artists through songs. So it's a matter of getting lots of pieces of paper on a table with all the songs that you love and thinking which really need to be in there. You know, I need some slow ones, I need some fast ones, I need some Latin ones, but watch the ones that have really got something to say. And then um, you've got to have something to say about the lyrics. You know, you've got to have some meaning. You've got to mean something to you. You've got to be able to portray a meaning. And um, you've got to, they've got to have a reason to be there really. So I think planning a show is a very, very exciting thing to do. Think about the audience, think about the type of material that they might want to listen to and think about what's what's important to you. Think about the lyrics, think about the tempos. Yeah, think about the stories really, the story you want to tell. Eleanor Keenan is perhaps best known for her many thousands of performances with the renowned Sid Lawrence Orchestra. But before that, she sang on no less than 15 series of the original BBC programme, Come Dancing. Eleanor has worked extensively with the BBC Big Band and in 2008, put together her own all-female big band, The Broadband. I asked Ellie, how important is movement on a stage and what changes have you seen in the styles of female big band vocalists over the years? Yes, movement is important, but in moderation. And it depends on the song you're singing, because you have to connect with the audience, whatever happens. The changes I'm seeing style-wise with female big band singers is that they're taking a modern song these days and turning it into a big band chart, which is fantastic. And it brings the big band sound to a newer audience and a much younger audience. As well as being a great big band vocalist, Louise is an accomplished small band jazz artist. So I asked her if her approach to performing for small and large audiences differs in any way. That's a really good question. I like that question a lot because I think it's, it taps into one of the most important things about singing and performing overall in front of an audience. And that's to remember that the audience um, are always on your side. They're there because they want to be. Um, and they are there as a positive force. So whether there's millions of them or whether there's five of them, they're always a really friendly crowd. And one of the things that I like to remember when it is a big crowd so that it doesn't become too overwhelming is that they are there because they want to see you and they, they're willing everybody to succeed and to have a wonderful time. So I like to think of all these people as a very friendly bunch of people anyway and that holds true with a small crowd and it's really useful to remember that when it's a small crowd because then you can make a more intimate um, environment then and it's almost nicer and at the moment we are playing to much smaller crowds with COVID at the moment, um, but I think that gives you a great opportunity to create a more intimate environment and connect more closely with the audience. So don't see that as it not worthwhile because the audience is a small, you can see that as an opportunity to actually connect more directly with your audience, I think. Georgina Jackson's trumpet playing ranks with the best in the country. So I asked how being both a singer and an instrumentalist affected her approach to performing the songs of the swing and big band era, and what key attributes she thought a budding female big band vocalist should possess. Well, I was an instrumentalist first, so I played the trumpet first, and I absolutely fell in love with the music of Frank Sinatra and listened to um, the way that the brass phrased those things. And 
and you kind of go around the house singing that kind of thing so you you you're an instrumentalist because you're listening to those instrumental parts but then i kind of were thinking oh my goodness he's not a bad singer either and so i suppose for me if i'm listening to a singer i'm listening to both the band and the singer and the way that they interact i suppose because it's really important as a singer to understand your arrangements and understand what part you play in in the band you know the bits that the band are loud the bits the band are quiet so it's kind of important to hear the whole thing i suppose playing an instrument has helped me uh, breathing because as we know breathing is a huge part of singing and to play a brass instrument you really have got to take in an awful lot of air and you've got to use your diaphragm so um your voice hopefully comes from all the right places because you've learned how to how to breathe i mean uh, frank sinatra famously got his breathing from harry james who was a an amazing trumpet player and so i think uh, playing an instrument uh, does help your breathing and your breath control it's difficult really and uh, and in this you know this time now it's very difficult but when i was coming up i was really taught quite a few lessons and i do believe that if you are wanting to be a singer you must really know that the first couple of times you go and do it you're going to be quite embarrassed you're going to mess up things are going to happen it's not going to be just like you get up and sing and, and everyone's going to start cheering there's going to be a big standing ovation it's not like the x factor or britain's got talent that won't happen and um, the first gig i did i was asked at three days notice to go and do a new year's eve gig when i was 16. and i knew a grand total of three songs at that point but well, they were so desperate for a female singer that they said that I could go and take, take the gig, but I could la or hum my way through the two hour sets because I didn't know any, <laughs> I didn't know any words. And I just sat on the stool and tried to style it out, but I felt utterly ridiculous. So I would kind of say that you've got to be quite thick skinned to be a, a vocalist, female vocalist or a male vocalist. But you have to be quite thick-skinned and you have to realize that you are going to look stupid a few times but you have to prepare and um one of the things that i've noticed is um because i'm a a musician and i can i can read music and things like that now that doesn't say that people who can't read music because people who can't read music need to know their arrangements inside out so you can do exactly the same things but you need to know when you go on and you're working with the band you need to know how to count them in you need to know what tempos you want to do things at. You need to know your words really well. You need to know how you're going to end the tune, what's going to happen in the middle of it. It, it doesn't happen by magic. It really doesn't. It needs some kind of preparation and thought. And so you sit down and you listen to the singers that you like to listen to and you, you work out what's happening. Okay, well, there's four bars introduction there and then the singer comes in and you, and you listen to what's actually going on behind the music. All right, there's a solo there and then the singer came in again but where did they come in did they come in at the beginning of the tune or did they come in somewhere in the middle of the tune okay and so you work out things like that oh what happened at the end did it come to a dead stop or did they repeat the lines and so you really kind of get inside a few a few numbers you know because if you're going to sit in at a jam session or go to college and your opportunity is to get up and sing if you can turn around and go all right one two I want to be four and count it in and know what you're doing you will stand out absolutely head and shoulders above the rest of the people there before you've even sang a note. Eleanor Keenan agrees with Georgina and offers some additional pointers. Of course there are many answers to that. Do your homework, find out 
who are the best arrangers around, don't sing songs that don't suit you and learn how to walk on and off a stage. After all, these are the tools of your trade. Even with their collective century or more of experience, these fabulous vocalists, like everyone else, are human beings. As such, they may, from time to time, suffer a blip in their usual level of excellence. Don't we all? So what advice would Catherine give about making mistakes, getting over them, and more importantly, how to avoid them in the first place? It will happen from time to time. It's happened to all of us. I'm sure it's happened to all the greats. You try to do your best to make sure you're prepared for everything, but sometimes, for one reason or another, something can throw you a lack of concentration or anything can that can happen like that can throw you sometimes off it could be for all sorts of reasons but i would say the most professional thing to do is to carry on keep smiling and a lot of the time people won't notice if you continue with the performance in the way that you were anyway it depends on the situation but Mostly, I would say, if you're if you've forgotten some words or if you have sung something like a part of the tune <laughs> that wasn't the right part at that moment, um, often your brain will just go into overdrive and you will ad lib and you will make up some words or you will repeat some words or your brain will get you out of it. So you'll be able to change what you're doing until you can find your way back to where you were. Suddenly you you'll you'll think you would think that you would go to pieces, but you don't. You the adrenaline's pumping and everyone's looking at you and often you your brain will work something out for you. And just keep smiling and keep acting the part. Be a performer, be professional. Most people or a lot of people it depends what has happened but a lot of the time people won't even notice you would know because you know the song really well people in the band might know but the audience may not know they may they won't know some of them will not know the song as well as you do they may be listening to the song for the first time they may have no idea where the song goes so if you've taken it to a different place they may not know at all so you don't need to draw attention to it sometimes however if i've made a mistake that is very clear to all and sundry and if it's a gig where i think i can laugh it off in some way then i may do so it depends it depends on the on the um the environment if it was a casual kind of a gig in a in a a jazz club where you, you you had some rapport with the audience and you'd been chatting to them and it was an it was a pleasant evening and they knew they were what they'd warmed to you already and I've done things like that where then they know I've gone wrong in some way and we all kind of have a bit of a laugh about it. And that that that, that can be totally fine. But, but if I was doing a big gig in Birmingham Symphony Hall with the Glenn Miller Orchestra and I hadn't spoken to the audience, I've just come out to sing my number, it, would not, it wouldn't be appropriate for me then to make a big joke about the, the big mistake I'd just made. So I definitely in those circumstances, I wouldn't. I would be I would be professional. I would grace over. I'd keep smiling and keep my head up and just hope that nobody noticed. And one of the worst things you you, you must never do this is to somehow make it look like you think it's the band's fault. 
So if you've gone off the arrangement and something gone has gone wrong, never ever turn around to the band and make it look like it's anyone else's fault. But again, that's something you should never do. But I mean, yeah, you wouldn't be drawing, you shouldn't draw attention to your mistake anyway. So now we need to approach one of the hottest topics surrounding big band vocalists over the years. In the beginning, all vocalists with the big bands of the day were given a minimal amount of singing to do. The band would play the first chorus or so, and then the vocalist, male or female, would appear, sing the vocal refrain, and exit as quickly as they entered. Frank Sinatra, of course, changed all this. Suddenly, the singers were the main attraction. But not everyone benefited equally from this newfound stardom. Many big bands carried two vocalists, one male and one female. And the male vocalist got the lion's share of both the songs and the attention. I asked Louise, has this changed? And do you see a difference between the role of the female and male vocalists in big bands today? I think less so these days. I think historically, I think there was more of a difference. I think women um, were seen, certainly historically, in in my genre of, of jazz and big band, I think they were seen far more as a, a glamorous adjunct to the rest of the band. And they would come on and they would sing and look pretty. Um, whereas men, although they were probably quite the same, perhaps they were seen as um, slightly more important. But I think that's that's changed and that's less likely these days. Um, but it's still important, I think, as a woman to hold your own and remember that you're not just a pretty glamorous singer and that you are important within the band and hold your own. Because you, there is a possibility that you will come up against that kind of attitude. So you've got to make sure that, yeah, don't let them get away with it. OK, now you've got some tips and advice on how to learn songs, approach big band gigs and put a show together. But how are you going to get onto the scene in the first place? Well, here's Catherine again with the details of how she started out. I started having singing lessons when I was in the sixth form at school. Probably I was about 16, 17. And my mum was a music teacher and she was quite keen on us all to do some sort of music. And so I decided to have some singing lessons thinking I quite enjoyed singing in my bedroom. And I just enjoyed it a lot. And took to it quite well. My mum being a music teacher was quite hot on practice so I was always made to practice. Uh, yeah so I worked hard and found that I enjoyed it a lot because I was quite a shy person. It was something that some way I could express myself I think. It was a way of performing and people would listen and so that's sort of what drew me to it. And then, so I'd found something I liked. So then I decided to go to college and do music. So I went to Leeds College of Music and studied voice. And Leeds College was a very sort of jazz based college. I didn't really particularly know that at the time. And I was singing more pop and um, musical theatre type songs. But going to Leeds College of Music kind of got me into the more jazz side of singing. And my singing teacher was Sarah Gilbertson and she sang with the Sid Lawrence Orchestra. So she got me into singing the American Songbook and singing in more of a big band style, which I enjoyed. And um, then when I was at college, I joined a function band in Leeds. I was recommended by 
another singer who was there. She was in her third year and I was in my first year and she heard me singing in the bar, I think. Because that was the great thing about Leeds is that we could do, um, we had gigs in the bar all the time. It was just like every lunchtime the, you, there was gigs going on, pit students, and you could either sort of book your own gig in there or you might sing with the band that you were singing with at college or whatever. And it was just a great way of getting experience of singing in front of other people. I mean, I was really, really scared. I remember when I first started doing it, but it gave me some experience. Someone saw me in there. And then, as I say, I was recommended to join a function band, which I did. And then so my second two years at college, I was already doing gigs. If you go to college, you, the one great thing about going to college is that you meet loads of musicians, obviously, because everybody is on the course doing some music. So they're all musicians. The lecturers are also musicians. Everybody's out gigging. And so you've already got a network of musicians to play with, sing with, and you start doing gigs. And then I started doing some gigs in Leeds. And then it kind of went from there that someone would recommend you for something and you'd end up getting a gig with another band because one musician had heard you doing one thing. And that's kind of how I got going and how the my career got started. Really recommendation and word of mouth. And I got the gig with the Glenn Miller Orchestra through a trumpet player who'd seen me with another band and he, he, he plays with the Glenn Miller Orchestra. You get most of your work, well that's what's happened for me anyway, is through meeting musicians and people recommending you. I hope you found this Sing Swing Sing In Conversation podcast both useful and interesting. If you have, please check out my website, www.singswingsing.com and subscribe to the hashtag Sing Swing Sing YouTube channel where you can access more useful tips and advice. Thanks for listening.